I want to talk this, this today at all the services about um, uh, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Um, uh, I've, been, uh, uh, kind of, I've been interested in him and intrigued for lots and lots of years. And, and this is Barnabas. And part of it is because Barnabas is from Cyprus, and that's where my family's from. Uh, so, you know, that was the first thing. I thought, oh, gosh, my background is in the Scripture. Uh, but more than that, uh, because of his story, and uh, uh, he's, um, uh, he's, he's known as the son of encouragement. And in fact, uh, with, with Barnabas, um, uh, what happened was his name is actually Joseph, but the apostles named him Barnabas because Barnabas means son of encouragement. And all his life that we read about in the scriptures, there's a number of incidences. He really lived up to the name. He was an encourager of others. I believe that his story is put in the Bible to speak to us today as many other, as all the other characters as well. And if there's, if there's one thing that we need in our culture, uh, in, 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 in the Western world at the moment, but especially also in the church, it's a culture of encouragement. In a world of discouragement, in a world of criticism, in a world of putting people down, in a world where you, you, you go on Twitter or Facebook and, and there's so many more negative comments than positive comments, uh, we, we need to be people who are encouragers. We need to be people who, who will be encouragers of others. And that's why I think Barney is an example to us. The first time we read about him, the first time he comes to our attention is in Acts chapter 4. And uh, uh, he comes to our attention in this way. And I'm just going to read this. At the end of Acts 4, we read, All the believers <coughs> sorry, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to any who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. So the first thing we learn about the son of encouragement is he was generous to the poor. And that's the first mention we get of him. He, 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 he had a field. It could have been, it could have been his, um, his, his pension, if you like. Uh, but it, it would have been worth something. He sold it. And he didn't use the money, as some do, in order to... Um, to use it for his own purposes, he, he put it at the apostles' feet. He said, you do with it whatever you want. So he wasn't using it to manipulate anyone. It was pure. It was pure. And if we want to be sons and daughters of encouragement, the first thing he calls us to 
is to be men and women of, of generosity, uh, individually in our lives, but also in our life of, as a church, to be generous with our encouragement, but to, to be generous with our money. Uh, someone once said that the last thing that gets converted is a person's wallet, and there's truth in that. Uh, someone else I read recently, someone else said uh, that discipleship is spelt M-O-N-E-Y. And, and I'm not talking here, I'm not talking about, this isn't, a, we're not a sort of church where we, we, we want to manipulate you into giving more to the church. Um, it's not about that. I'm not saying give, give 10 pounds and you'll get 100 back from the Lord or anything like that. I'm talking about being generous in our daily lives. You know, buying a stranger uh, a cup of coffee who's behind you in the queue at Starbucks or maybe, maybe someone who's sitting somewhere at uh, a uh, uh, McDonald's or a restaurant, a, a meal, or, or just living, living generously because that frees us. That frees us from slavery to money. It frees us from slavery to possessions. And Barnabas was a man who was set free in every way. He was a man who was set free in every way. Where are you going? He's a cheeky one, isn't he? I can't intimidate him. Huh? Nothing scares him. I'll sit on him. That'll scare him. <laughs> That'll kill him, actually. Actually, that probably doesn't come under the child protection procedures, does it? Anyway, what on earth was I just saying? Hmm? Yes, thank you. Gosh, that was from the drummer. <laughs> A drummer was listening to a sermon. <laughs> Revival is coming. Revival is here if the drummers are listening. Um. <laughs> and um, he was a man of generosity. He was also a man of grace. Um, he loved grace. He was full of grace. I just want to turn to Acts. Um, <coughs> sorry, chapter 9. And um, the backstory here um, is that, um, uh, I've forgotten his name now, uh, Paul. Uh, Paul, uh, the apostle. Uh, he'd just become a Christian. And before he became a Christian, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. And um, uh, he was killing Christians. He was murdering Christians. Um, he was uh, attacking them. And uh, thank you so flipping much. He was attacking them. And Christians were scared of him. Uh, he was putting them in prison. And because of his work, Christians were being killed. And then he becomes a Christian. And uh, uh, listen to what happens next. Um, when he came to Jerusalem, this is Paul, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him, uh, and brought him to the apostles. He told them 
how Saul, which was his name before, on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Now what I love about this is Barnabas could have just minded his own business. You know, Saul, who became Paul, was an outcast because of his past. I mean, don't trust him. He was been just killing us. He's been doing stuff to us. Don't go near him. And Barnabas went out of his way. He went and found him. And he brought him to the Christian leaders in Jerusalem. And he spoke up for him. He put his own reputation on the line for this guy that been murdering Christians. And he said, I will vouch for him. And let me tell you his story. When no one would listen to Paul, Barnabas used what credibility he had to speak for him. Oh, that we should all have Barnabases like that in our lives. Oh, that we should have people, that we should be those people in other people's lives. Because you know, when everyone else uh, walks out, a friend is the one who walks in. And when you know that when you're at your lowest, when no one else wants to know, and someone with credibility, someone um, uh, who doesn't need to, stands by you and speaks up for you, do you know what? It changes everything. You receive undeserved grace and mercy, and it changes everything. Um, there's a... I am... Uh, I, I, I don't listen to modern music um, because I'm a, I, my, if you go into my car, um, uh, you, all the albums are 60s albums. Um, and I've got all the albums from the 60s and the early 70s and uh, the Beach Boys and the Bee Gees and um, the Motown ones, the Supremes. And does anyone know what I'm talking about? A few of you do. When music was proper music... Uh, you know, Diana Ross, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, all those folk. That was just, just when, it, when it had tune, when it had melody. So I don't listen to what, so I don't know. I discovered Adele just over a year ago, you know, and, and I've just grown to, to love her stuff. But I think I've arrived at the party rather late. Uh, but just so, I don't know. So that's all to say, I don't know a lot about what's going on. But I've been following uh, in the last few days... Uh, a whole load of Twitter threads and uh, news feeds on Facebook about this guy, and I'm going to say it right, and they list also is Can A West, Kanye, Kanye, anyway, Kanye West, who's some sort of rapper and and is apparently very well known in in the rapping scene, and. Uh, um, and the, all the controversy, all the stuff is, uh, he, he appears to maybe have become a Christian. And the reason I say that is because there are a whole number of people on the social feed, who, um, the news feed, who, um, who question whether he's become a Christian because of his past. Now, I don't know what he did in the past. I assume if he was a rapper, he used bad language. And, and maybe there was, was there more to it than that? No one's ever told me. Was there? Yeah, 
Okay, well, there was stuff that he was, he was a naughty boy, clearly. And people were saying, oh, I'm not sure he's really a Christian because look at his past. Look at what he did. Look at what he was like. I'm suspicious about this. Uh, we need to be careful. Don't trust, don't, don't trust him. And as I read that, I don't know him. I don't know his story. But it's like, guys, are you, are you the same religion as the one that I'm trying to follow? How on earth can you say that? We all have a flipping past. We all have a past. We all, we all are the same. And do you know what? That's exactly what they were doing to Paul. They were saying, don't trust him. Don't go near him. Don't go near him because, uh, because look at his past. Don't trust him. And Barnabas came and he said, I'll speak up for him. Barnabas always erred on the side of grace. He always erred on the side of forgiveness. And do you know what? If I'm going to get it wrong, I'd rather get it wrong extending too much grace and looking foolish than get it wrong by extending too much judgment and, and, and actually killing someone emotionally as a result. And we need as the church to have the Barnabas anointing and to actually actually be generous to welcome people in to believe in them to think the best of them do you know how people flourish under encouragement do you know instead of all this stuff he's and the reason he's he's brought out this album called Jesus is King I got it I got it I've been saying it wrong all day and uh, and and you know what somebody um, showed me the lyrics of one of the songs on the album they're amazing they're amazing lyrics. And we should be supporting him and praying for him and, and cheering him on and wishing the best because that's what Christians are meant to... Is it, is it the... That's what Christians uh, are meant to do. And do you know, not only that, but Barnabas later on when no one would touch Paul, he went to him, he found him, he went out of his way, and he took him to Antioch, which was the missionary church. Jerusalem was the church at the center, which, was the, which had all the Christian celebrities in it, but Antioch was the church on the periphery that did all the mission work. Read the Acts of the Apostles, you'll see that's true. And he took him to Antioch, and he spent a year with him. And I don't know exactly what he did, but I imagine he did Bible studies with him. And he prayed with him. And he talked to him. Because before Paul became a Christian, he had a bad temper. Before Paul became a Christian, um, he would say things pretty harshly. And guess what? I think after he became a Christian, he probably had a bad temper and said things harshly. And so Barnabas believed in him and he invested in him. And you know what they say about this Mr. West, the rapper, uh, they say, oh, well, let's just look at him. Maybe he's going to still say lots of foofs. Well, I'm sure he's going to say lots of foofs, for goodness sakes. If he's been saying foofs the whole of his life, just because he becomes a Christian, he's not going to suddenly never say a swear word. Were you sanctified the day you were saved? 
Were you perfectly holy the day after you met Jesus? Or is it a journey that we are all on? And what, and what Barnabas did for Saul is he invested a year. And then after a year, Paul and Barnabas were sent out because of prophetic word uh, to plant churches, to preach the gospel on their first missionary trip. And do you know what happened? It was Paul and Barnabas, his assistant. And that's the other bit that I love about Barney. Is, you know, he, he rescued Paul. He invested in him. He poured his life into him. And he didn't mind that Paul became the one who was known, the, the kind of mini superstar. And Barney was his assistant. Barney was in it for the Lord, not for himself. He was in it for the kingdom, not for himself. And I, I love that about him. And that is a challenge to us. And Barnabas could have got, could have got jealous. He could have got envious. Lord, it's not fair. All I've done is sold fields and given the money away. All I've done is be encouraging to people. And there's this guy that was killing your people. And now he's, he's the great speaker. He's the great leader. He's the great apostle. And I'm here holding his bags and helping him. Don't compare with other people because it kills you. It, there's nothing that kills deep, true spirituality as much as comparison and as much as envy. Run your race. Run your race the best that you can and rejoice when God uses other people. Especially, you know, it's when people aren't, aren't as, as nice as you, you know, I have this with Andy Croft. You know, he's... <laughs> you know, and he speaks better. He's, you know, he's... Everyone likes him and all of that stuff. And you know what? Honestly, even though I know that he's not as worthy as me, I'm not kidding. I love it. I love it. We're meant to love it when God blesses others. I'm going to move quickly. Um, I'm going to skip over some of this. He was a man on a mission. In Acts chapter 13, if you want to read it for yourself, um, uh, he and, um, and Paul were set apart to plant churches. And the thing about Barnabas is this. Um, there was a prophetic word that he was to do that and he went. It wasn't like he thought it was a great career move. It wasn't like he thought, oh, this is a good thing to do. He went out of sheer obedience. From the beginning to the end, everything we know about Barnabas suggests he was in it for the Lord's glory, not his own glory. Um, he was a sent one. He endured hardship. Acts 14, I'll just say this very quickly. Uh, there was a whole load of, he and Paul, they were stoned, they were beaten up, they were threatened, they were drummed out of town, but they kept going. And you know what? Hardship is part of life. Uh, persecution is probably part of life, increasingly for all of us as followers of Jesus. Get used to it. Get used to it. Because, because Jesus meets us in those times. In our, in our hardest times is when he comes to us. But here's the bit that I'll come in to land on. Uh, for Barnabas, relationships 
were central to him. They were central. And I just want to look at the end of um, Acts chapter 15. And uh, when I first read this, when I first became a Christian, I found this incredibly sad for a long time. And I'll explain when I've read it. We read this. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And do you know the thing about that is, it's a tragedy on one level. They split, they split, and they had a sharp disagreement, and it was so bad that they went their separate ways. That's always a tragedy when that happens with Christians. Uh, God calls us to unity. He loves it when we're a family, when we're united. But it got so bad that they split. And, uh, you know, because the, um, Luke, who wrote Acts, was uh, a follower of Paul, uh, he, was, he was actually part of Paul's team. You know, I wonder if it was a little bit biased to Paul. But for years, I kind of more sided with Paul. Because the, the fact is, if you read earlier on, John Mark, when it got tough in Pamphylia, he, he, he left them and went home. He was a young man. And uh, he, he deserted them. He ran away. It, it got too scary for him. And so when they're going, uh, Paul says, you know what? I don't think it's wise to take him. He's still very young. Um, he might run away again. He might disappear again. We can't rely on him. Uh, but do you know what? More recently, as I've got older, as I've thought about this, I've realized there's absolutely another side. In every breakdown of a relationship, just about everyone, just about everyone, there's two sides to the story. There's always two sides to the story. And, and, here's, and here's what I think the other side was. I imagine that in their dispute, in their argument, in their discussion, Barnabas would have said this, Really, Paul? Really? Because he let us down? Because he messed up? You've decided we're not going to use him? We're not going to take him? Have you forgotten how after you messed up, how no one wanted to touch you, no one wanted to go near you, I came beside you and I spoke for you and I defended you and I explained you and I spent a year with you. I poured my life into you because I believed in you when no one else would touch you and you can't do the same for this young man. Can you see how the, how it, how the discussion could have gone? And again, I love Barnabas for this because he loved John Mark so much. His value of friendship was, you know what, I'll even take a risk with the ministry for the sake of believing in this guy. I, 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 I want to believe in him and I'm not going to write him off and I will not write anyone off. And do you know what? If you come uh, to Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, 
in, in verse 10 of chapter 4, he says to the church, Now, if John Mark comes to you, welcome him gladly. Take him in, embrace him. I've written to you, to you about him. Um, show him love, which says to us that there'd been a reconciliation between Paul and John Mark, and that suggests that there'd also been a reconciliation between Paul and Barnabas. And John Mark was back in. And I wonder if he was back in because, because Barnabas went with John Mark. He went with him to Cyprus. And I wonder if maybe he spent a year with John Mark. And I wonder if he did Bible study and prayed with him and believed in him and encouraged him. Because it's encouragement. It's, it's, it's belief in it's, it's getting beside, it's generosity, it's living in grace that changes people's lives. And our first reaction as we listen to this could be, I want, um, I want some Barnabases in my life. That's certainly often my first reaction. But I want to suggest an even better response is, I want to be a Barnabas in a few other people's lives. Because as I do that, I will get blessed. Barnabas is one of my heroes. I love him. I love what he stands for. Let's choose to be sons and daughters of encouragement. Let's choose to be a people who will bless, who will live generously, who will live in grace, who will put friendship and loyalty above lots of things. Let's be the people that when no one else wants to know someone, we stand with them. We stand with them. And we, we risk our reputation. I finish with this, absolutely. I increasingly, increasingly as I get older, I hate the judgmentalism that can happen in the church. I hate it. I hate it when people mess up and they fall. And I've known it with some leaders who are friends of mine and they've messed up and no one wants to touch them. No one wants to go near them. And if you go near them, uh, one of my friends, he, he's, he was in leadership and he made some terrible mistakes and he sinned and he lost his role in leadership and all of that. And some of that was right. But do you know, he'd been my friend before he messed up. So he was going to be my friend after. And, you know... It, uh, he did wrong, but he knew that more than anybody else. And he was trying to put it right. And do you know, as I and others of my friends got beside him and loved him and continued, and do you know, this is what people don't know, every time I saw him, he wept over what he'd done. He wept. And I had people coming to me, other leaders saying, why are you involved in him? He's let people down. It, it hurts other people that you, that you forgive him so easily. And I want to ask, why does it hurt other people? Why? Isn't that what we're meant to do? That doesn't mean we pretend that sin isn't sin. But guys, we're all broken. We're all broken. We all have a backstory. It's just some of us have got ours well hidden. We all have a story it's just some of us, our stuff is more socially acceptable. And God is the God of grace. And he's looking for a church of grace. And my longing at this crucial time in our church, 
at this key time in our church is that, you know, we're never going to be known as the most hip and trendy church. Not in Watford, anyway. You know, not with people who come to us from Milton Keynes. You know, um, we're not going to be known as hip and trendy. Uh, we're not going to be the most slickest outfit out. It's never going to happen, not while I'm here. You know, we're never going to be that. But you know what? I'd love us to aim to, to, to win a competition for one of the most loving churches out, one of the kindest churches out, one of the most merciful churches out, one of the most compassionate churches out. Because I think that's the stuff that really matters. I think that's the stuff that people are longing to see and to receive. Church, not as performance, but as family. Church, not as a show, but as a community of brothers and sisters who encourage one another and encourage others and give their love away.